Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's great to be with you. Today, we're taking some time to talk about living with overwhelm. And the truth is, feeling overwhelmed is unavoidable, right? It's just this everyday experience of living sometimes. And since we can't get rid of it, there seems to be this need to figure out how to live in the middle of it, how to experience it and do something meaningful with it. And so I've had this experience so often, I could totally just pick one out of the air. But even just recently, I realized this event that I was planning, it was getting bigger and bigger. And pretty soon I thought, this is the scope of where this has gone is way beyond what I thought it was going to be. And so immediately my body was involved. I started to realize, like, I feel nervous. My stomach feels nervous. And I've got several days to go before this event happens. So knowing myself, I'm thinking, I don't want to spiral like this for several days. I need to find a way to manage what's going on in me. Because really, this is all imagination. My overwhelm is all caught up in what I imagine could happen, what I imagine could go wrong. And so techniques are great, but of course, some things work better than others. Some things are going to make us feel more crummy and some things are going to help us. And so maybe I'll just open it there and ask all of us, what can we do when we're feeling this pain of overwhelm? Great question. What can we do when we are feeling this pain of overwhelm? I think there are a lot of things that you can do. And your story just sparked my own story. I think hearing other people's stories can help. But the other day I was just reflecting. I love apps that work correctly. I have an app on my phone that lets me deposit checks. And there's a new update that happened and my camera doesn't work anymore. It blurs and it, so it's like, I have all these checks to deposit and now I can't deposit them. And I'm like, what the hell? Now I'm going to have to go all the way to the bank to deposit these checks. And then I was like, but I like going to the bank. I like seeing a teller, this overwhelmed, like life isn't going how we want it to. And so for me, what's the gift that's given to us in the moment? And so I think that's a question that I ask myself is, okay, I have a deadline. It's coming up. I feel overwhelmed. And then I personally just say, what's the gift? I think something helpful for me is acknowledging that I think to your point earlier, Christina, this is part of life. And we talked to Evan Digman. He's a college student about contemplative and he's reflecting the deadlines and the papers and whatnot and thinking, oh, like me as an adult now with children that I'm feeding and raising, thinking back to that era of my life seems, oh my gosh, that life seems so much simpler and easier back then, but that's really real. Or reflecting on my child who's in middle school and feel overwhelmed with different homework things that have to happen. And so point being, regardless of who we are or what stage of life, we are going to hit these points where what is asked of us, what feels demanded of us, feels like it's more than we have capacity to give. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes what is being demanded is more than we have capacity. And so we have to decide, okay, how do I either decrease what's demanded of me or what does it look like to increase my capacity? And sometimes it's just in our head. And if we really think about it, it's like, actually, I've got this. It's not a big deal. I can handle this. And so I think that that feels important to me to acknowledge that the capacity versus the demand aspect of it. Yeah. And even 
as I'm the one that asked the question, there's even the opposite of that question, which is, what do I not want to (laughs) do? And so in some ways, ignoring it is one of the things I don't want to do. Oh, it's not there. You're just being silly. You're being dumb or whatever. So that kind of stuffing behavior isn't actually, that's going to be one of those things that will cause a spiral for me. And so I have to know that about myself which took me many years to learn, but don't stuff it. Don't stuff the emotion. Don't stuff the fear. Address the fear, right? (laughs) Address what you're actually afraid of. And yeah, in that particular instance, there was like, what can I put in place that makes this feel manageable? So some of it is going to be a lot of kids. Can I create activities that might possibly be fun? As if I can be sure that anything is fun. (laughs) But let me at least try. And what can I do ahead of time so that it's not all happening at the same time? Chris, I like what you're saying, too. What is the positives? What do I enjoy? What can I take away? Is there a different narrative that I can offer myself? Yeah, and I think we're paying attention to the areas, to the places in your life where this overwhelmed, you know, chaotic emotion swirling comes up. We're going we're gonna to face one of those times here shortly. We're going to go on a trip. And usually when we go on a trip, everybody has to pitch in and clean. And that is not a fun thing to do. It's not a fun thing to organize the whole family to pack and to clean. And I've been reflecting on what have been some great times or where it's gone smoother in the past and blasting some fun music through the speakers that everybody can hear doing their own little chore or duty has been helpful. My attitude Whenever I ask people to do things, not being a drill sergeant, being playful, hey, let's do this together. Or, you know, looking at these experiences that we've had in our life and saying, okay, I want this to go better than it went last time. And what are some little tweaks that I can make to help it go smoother? And I think that's important to borrow wisdom from the past because you're right, oftentimes life cycles over and over again, right? And so something that we experience now, we probably have experienced it in some variation in our life. And so to be able to borrow that wisdom feels really important. And I think even naming some things, you can about what's the gift and even what's the gratitude piece, what's the positive spin, those sorts of things, while also acknowledging there are real emotions going on here. And so I was recently talking to someone who felt overwhelmed with finances. I think just the inflation rates and all of the uncertainty around that was causing a lot of fear. And so taking some time to say that is real. And to your point, Christina, we don't want to ignore and stuff that. And at the same time, really looking at it, because I think we can live in this theoretical thing, but what's the reality? The reality is I'm actually fine. The reality is I actually even have some emergency savings. And so in that reality, it's okay. There is that there. And so Where is really the overwhelm coming from? Is it borrowed again? Like I'm borrowing stress from the past and really my current circumstance, I don't feel overwhelmed, but I assume I should be overwhelmed. But when I really think about it, I'm actually not. So I think that can go both ways where we can borrow wisdom or sometimes we can borrow stress from past circumstances and maybe thinking, okay, in the past, it's been unhelpful and hard to clean before a trip. Is that my reality now? Or can I start with a fresh page of actually it could be different this time? I appreciate that. I think that's a really helpful way to think about it. And even as you're talking, I I start to think about work, right? Work is an area where suddenly you can have many things to do. My husband has the same thing. He gets on a call and the next thing you know, the list is so long. And I have found sometimes I need to 
set the work down for a minute and just kind of walk away. Just (laughs) take a break. You know that it's there. It's not going anywhere. And then come back to it. But that little bit of a break helps me to actually face it. Whereas if I just stay present, I'm a little too much like a nervous, maybe deer in headlights. It's just not the right space. I just need a minute to maybe ground or center. Or maybe it's not that fancy of a term. Maybe it's like I literally just walked away, let my brain think about something and then came back. I think that's important because, again, the container of the overwhelm, sometimes I think we make the container of overwhelm bigger than it is. And when we take a pause from it, it's like the container's pretty small or contrary, oh, the container is big. And so therefore I do need some help or some additional resources or we need to shift some things around. But I think it's important to allow ourselves to really determine what's the container of the overwhelm and if it merits the emotion that we're giving to it in that particular time. Yeah, and I think others are important. Like when we're feeling overwhelmed, the power of the huddle or whatever it is, regrouping with other people to share in your experiences of overwhelmed. I think so many times we try to knuckle down or we try to handle this on our own. And then what ends up happening is it becomes too much for us and we end up numbing or like We become a martyr at times. I did all this, so therefore now I need to go into a tailspin with overeating or drinking or whatever. So I think for me, when I am overwhelmed, reaching out, who can help me? Who can help me in this? So I think people are super important to the overwhelmed. I really appreciate that point. I read this book. It was very difficult to get through, but it was called The Trauma of Everyday Life by Mark Epstein. And he talks a lot about the meaningfulness of community because in our pain and suffering and those little things that are going on all the time, usually the script that plays in the head is that I'm all alone in this. Nobody else has this quite like I do. And if we can get in the community with others, we find out like, oh, there's all these people experiencing that. And it seems like this tiny little thing, but his point is, It really helps when we know we're not the only one that has experienced this or that's going through this. I did experience that in a work setting once where this one lady would be really frustrated. And as soon as I would say, I totally understand, that happens to me too, her whole countenance would shift. It became compassionate. It was like from total strung out frustration to, oh my gosh, it's like all this love and compassion. It shifted the whole thing. And so I learned very quickly, just don't leave her alone in it. And we're going to have a very different experience here. I think it's also important in times when we're not feeling overwhelmed to continue those practices and patterns and rhythms so that when overwhelm hits, we're not blindsided by it. I was recently talking to someone who for years has seen a therapist and this person's like, I don't know if I need to anymore because I'm feeling okay. And so I challenged back, are you feeling okay because you have that set rhythm? Maybe reducing from twice a month to once a month might be wise. I'm wondering if completely taking that away would then put you back into that overwhelmed state. And so again, whether it's learning to practice Sabbath or particular pauses in your day or things like that, that when the overwhelm and the stress does increase, it's, oh, I have these things to fall back on that have already been put in place. It's not taking extra energy because it's already there and that rhythm is established. I think that's a beautiful point. And then I'm also reminded as we're talking of this beautiful poem-esque 
writing that Mirabai Starr does in the second chapter of Wild Mercy. And she's really talking about Sabbath throughout that chapter. But it's this beautiful kind of description of what it's like to lay your head in the lap. She calls it great mamas. It could trigger you if you don't see the divine in that way, but it doesn't bother me. She's going to lay your head in the lap of great mama and leave that basket next to you and you'll return to it. And when you return, half the contents will be gone and some of the things that seemed so large will be smaller and Ever since I read that, I thought I really, I'm doubling down on the importance of rest in life because there is that, oh yes, we're talking about it already and we're talking about those little points in the day. But really in that chapter, she's talking about, I take like a full day to do this where I engage my values specifically and I do things that have ritual, they have meaning to me. And then I come back to it. And sometimes I'm walking through my day and I wonder, I wonder if she's doing that every day. But it's, it's a really big deal to really have that point of rest and then allow whatever is going on inside to shift without our working on it. That's the magic of that poem-esque thing she's saying is you didn't really do anything, but somehow it all got sorted out and we don't quite understand how or why. Yeah, and I do think there's a divine exchange that happens when we are pausing, taking Sabbath, taking rest. And it's been a particularly, a lot's going on in this particular season. But knowing that I not only have the weekly rhythm of rest, but also looking ahead to an extended three-day at the beginning of the year where, and I've had some things come up where it's, oh, I would love to be at this thing that I got invited to. And yet I know that in the long run, I need to take those three days of reflection. I've carved it out for a couple of months now, really trying to protect these particular days to do that, which is it's costly in one sense. But I, if I don't do it, I know it's also costly. And I know that going into the year, that's really going to help metabolize things where if I don't have that, the metabolism is just out of whack for me personally with overwhelm. Yeah, I appreciate that. And even the daily rest. I love the children's rhymes, wink and blink and a nod, sailed off one night in, in a shoe and they went to fish for the herring fish that live in this beautiful sea of dew. The nursery rhyme ends with winking and blinking are two little eyes and nod as a little head and the shoe is a wee one's trundle bed. There's this invitation to go off to adventure, but then you return, you return to rest. You return to this daily practice of rest, and then you can return to the, the thing that, that you're facing in life. Or maybe you just need to have rest to be able to see what you were overwhelmed with differently. And yeah, I appreciate the, the extensive period of rest, but even, even the daily practice of rest and how that could give us fresh perspective. Thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and all this stuff about the wisdom, may it go with us as we move forward into the rest of our days and weeks. And now is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. So I can't wait to hear what are you guys into? I am into the Home Depot kids workshops. And this is something when our older two were little, we would go, it was like the first Saturday of the month and they have these little kits that you can build a birdhouse or a picture frame or something. And they have all the tools and the glue and you get to wear the goggles. 
And then the pandemic happened and that stopped. And just recently thinking, oh my goodness, we have a, our son just turned seven and he would probably love that. So I went back on the website and they are now doing in-person workshops again. I am into the Home Depot kids workshops. I am into, and I was into these before, but they've come back. We have a kindergartner that's starting to learn how to read. And there's this author, Mo Williams, who writes with this elephant and this pig. So Gerald and Piggy. And they're really funny. And our kindergartner gets it, laughs so hard and is so entertained. And then the words are often the same ones that he needs to learn for sight words so he can participate. And I have just had a blast watching him interact with these books. And he checks them out from the school library. He even brings home this huge collection. So the book is practically as big as he is. I've really been into watching him enjoy Mo Williams' books. We have that exact same series, and we are delighted with Daryl and Piggy. It's a fun evening, so very happy to share that with you, Christina. I am into waking my children up with rooster calls from YouTube. I found this YouTube video that has 30 different calls, different roosters, and I'll go in and wake the kids up, and one child... It will just bring a wonderful smile to his face. And another child starts throwing pillows at me. And just the different response that I get is amazing. So I am loving waking my kids up with rooster calls. And I know you're thinking, God, I'm glad I don't have them for a dad. I can imagine you would get similar responses in my house, the whole spectrum. Thank you so much, everyone, for being with us today. We will look forward to being with you again soon. Bye, everybody. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.